0: connecting to cloud server. There we are. I'm on a laptop today, so I can't do this locally recording. Very nice to have everyone here. We do this every uh, Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is PK Office Hours. We're lying today though. This is actually 11, uh, 15 Eastern uh, Standard Time AM. Always excited to see Justin. I didn't know if you were joining, but uh, wonderful to have you here. We're on Office Hours 16. So we're gonna do it. We're gonna do the fingers. We calculated this before. <laughs> Let's try to get this up right. Call <laughs> those fingers up. There we go, Justin. Tim, of course, yeah, okay, (laughs) we did it, okay, beautiful, all right, Uh, Justin is only staying with a couple minutes, so we're going to give him, Justin, you know, um, we won't do a big round of introductions, we've been doing that in the past, but Justin, we're, again, always grateful to have you, anything that you're thinking right off the top?
1: Yeah, I mean, the big one that I'm interested in, um, uh, you know, what I've been trying to use speak for is lives, you know, uh, you know, live brainstorms, uh, talk about it, like a lot of the work that I do is inspired by Mark Levy's book, Accidental Genius, which was Hmm. used writing as access to the greatest thoughts. So I like the free talking aspect. And I started to experiment with, uh, speak for lives just to be able to surface, which ideas are interesting. So I'm curious, um, inside of that context, I just, I just want to share it, but like, what are some interesting use cases that, that you're seeing, or are you seeing people starting to use speak for live, uh, live experiences? And we've actually talked with you some little bit,
2: um, some little time ago. And, um, uh, you, you've mentioned that punctuation was a very important part of it and where um, not only the, the analysis breaks down without it, but also that um, with, with punctuation, you have a, you have more um, just control on the output. It's actually not that we're to save it and to share it ath- afterward. Mm. So how much of that was, um, it, it is crucial to you, isn't it? The part where it's actually accurately real-time transcribed.
1: Yeah, it's it's the real the real-time transcription is is very nice because the real-time transcription's there um, right now. The issue with the tr- especially the way that I talk, uh, it it just it treats it as like everything that I just shared uh, speak will just treat it as like one big paragraph. So I probably said. Let's call it eighteen segments versus things, or maybe you know fifteen sentences. So for sentiment analysis purposes, I don't want a big chunk. I want a sentence by sentence breakdown of what we, you know, of what we we talk about. So that's why it's really important to be able to um, uh, to do the sentiment analysis live. So if we are in a session and we're just going live for forty minutes. And we're like, what are, what are the takeaways from these sessions? What do we care about? Sentiment analysis is a pretty good proxy for, like, here's the high sentiment items, here's the low sentiment items for potential follow-ups and things that we want to focus on.
2: How much? If I if I may dig down a little bit onto this, I just was wondering, how do you like the line chart or the? How do you see the sentiment in overall? Do you see it in a in a more? We try to do more. To modify it, actually, we tried to put the percentages in and sort of calculate on um, a compound sentiment, and then we've tried uh, giving this continuous line. Um, how do you see sentiment analysis performing in your use cases? How do you use it? What do you use it, it for?
1: It's fine, except for the um, it's it's fine except for the punctuation piece. I mean, the other thing that I would like I'd like to be able to extract the sentiment analysis out. The categorization's nice. Um, I think the categorization would work as well as a secondary, but I just find the sentiment works better than the categorization, even for me. Um, So if I had the periods and then I'd want to be able to extract it because I'd want to have like, Hey, this sentence is a, you know, a Jira, you know, whatever format, you know, this is a Trello card, let's call it. This is actually an, you know, in sort of this brainstorm, here's the prioritization of what we talked about of where we should take action, which might be new features for the product, new things that we want to work on. Um, we talk about people to reach out to um, that are interested. You, know, I shared Mark Levy's book, Accidental Genius, right? That might be something like, oh, I'm looking to read a new book. That's a valuable insight for people. So I'd want to be able to get them out so you could start also parsing the um the analysis you know for future use i wonder how positive is the word eureka is in our
2: uh data sets probably is high probably is high. Yeah.
0: it's uh it's definitely that's i mean a, a couple of things on what Justin's talking about i agree and unfortunately not maybe unfortunately or not but just and i talk in very similar ways just extreme consciousness quick output 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 and then that sentence format breakdown then yeah completely destroys the the power of the sentiment analysis i say there's two other things that I think um, that we miss in a way on the sentiment analysis is I've shown you some of those like Google Data Studio reports or just Excel ports when you add like conditional um, sort of formatting. So like um, just a little more color, color representation of sentiment too. Yeah. And even the way that we display the numbers of sentiment is like the machine output. It's yeah. not really the human output, like it's not really made for humans. <laughs> we just it was display raw computer data, uh, yeah. basically. So I think those would be big, um, you know, big pieces for us to ask about use cases. It's a really interesting. I can't. You know, it's an interesting company that's growing very quickly, and they're working in a couple different spaces with real time analysis, and uh, they're doing it with a bunch of different sensor data. Working with autonomous cars, working with some pharmaceutical companies, and then also even some furniture companies that are building like personalized therapeutic sort of furniture <laughs> experiences. Yeah. So it's really interesting, and the part that they're trying to Um, figure out is a mix between, I would say like real time, obviously the transcription, but then in the goal is for them to get an output um, from speech in real time. And that output that they're most interested in is actually valence and arousal. So a valence can be uh, basically sentiment and then arousal is, I guess, the intensity of that too. And so if you can output that, you can communicate with their systems and then modify lights or um, commands within autonomous, like in, within vehicles, uh, or even uh, they're doing some really interesting stuff in treatment and development of drugs with some of these pharmaceutical mm. companies. So that's like, I mean, it's a, they, they, it's interesting hearing as they're deeper in and they say that these companies invest in between something that is practical and then the at the far end, which is like batshit crazy. Uh, yeah. And because the, they, they need to invest in something that can produce results that have an oversized benefit Otherwise yeah. it's not worth for the investment. The rest of the space is too competitive. So that that that's a really interesting insight and we hope to pursue those. And there's also some some, some VR companies that we're, we're hoping to basically modify. Really the goal for us is how, how can we create personalized environments uh, yeah. using multimodal analysis? So again, for you, the sentiment when you're speaking there, the, the, what you're saying, but then can we add the audio analysis in real time too? And that opens yeah. up a lot of, a lot of power.
1: Um, I do have a use case actually that I wasn't even thinking about that. Okay. um, So I met with somebody who's doing work with very smart people um, related to the UN, right? Like they get all these people together. They have a session like this. They either do it live or they do it, or they, um, uh, or they, I didn't want to step over what you said. That was super interesting, Tyler. That was just, I was paying attention to the time. Um, Do Maybe I could say this. Should I go with it? Okay, sorry. Yeah, I was just like realizing I was like two minutes left. So the big insight that I had, sustainability isn't just environment. That was the big insight that I had on this conversation. Sustainability is keeping things sustainable. So we're having this conversation. There's a lot of passion. How do we keep the conversation sustainable? I think speak is the access to be able to do that. But let me just read this here. Um, all the ideas, people, technologies, institutions, and resources that are required to achieve the SDG, Sustainable Development Goals, I believe is what an SDG is, are already available. And the task is how do we engage them and combine them in new and transformational ways? My thesis is there's some mix of five or 10 people that can solve most problem. If you just get there and riff like you're doing, and you have the machines work in the background like you're going to be able to solve a lot because right it's we do 300 words a minute you, this is this is 18,000 words are going to get spoken and how many words are in a sentence Tim, 10 like 10 let's say we're going to say 1800 sentences in this hour period of time and then there's also the you know there that I think that is the best way to really start to solve problems if you can you know start to de- extract that and make sense of it so i just wanted to, i wanted to leave with that as a drop um, and I think those, I think it's very interesting. How do we command things with their voice where you were going, Tyler? But the beautiful thing about speak is you don't even have to solve those big global issues. You're nimble enough at this point in time where you can like just, you know, pull conversations together, tease creative.
0: Yeah, and Tim, Tim, Tim. <laughs> I That's where my mind was going to with what Tim's talking about, which is createwithvoice.com uh, uh, trademark, not trademark, but an ownership of uh, <laughs> speakai.co. So we've got um, sort of this idea of originally what was speak present mode and reporting that onto to createwithvoice.com. And one of the things you um, ho- hopefully remember, Justin, was one of the most fun things that I've done in the last while was that comp- that jam session that we did where we... I took after I took, um, I used yeah. Speak and then I took the images and created like the, the representation of what that conversation was with all the images and, yeah. you know, we had a couple quotes and everything. And so what we're trying to figure out to do is, yeah, how can you represent the conversation in a valuable, interactive, engaging way? And so that was like one of the ways that we sort of thought about this. Could you turn that, turn a conversation into an embeddable page. And then when you click on one of those images, it actually takes you to the exact moment in the conversation, Yeah, uh, you know? But what Tim is, and I have been sort of crooking on this week has been createwithvoice.com and what it's actually using. Tim, maybe you want to talk a little bit more about the uh, the technical terms of it without giving away too much, obviously, but the <laughs> the you can say what you want. So say the question is like, imagine a, a, a myth, describe a mythical weird place that you would love to go and visit. So you describe that place, you speak it, and then that input will generate an image and a completely original image yes. for you that represents that. So it's like image generation. Uh, and the idea is how can you just yeah create with voice? And I think, you know, it's a little bit of a fun experiment, but I also think there's a lot of power in describing something or saying how you feel and then having that generated completely originally right in front of you. So very
1: exciting. I you I love it. it. I have to um, be on time for this next one, but I will come back to this piece, the, um, the 1130 and shame on me for thinking that I could get, we could get like a 12 minute clean break coming in, but thanks a lot, guys. And I love it. I will come back and listen to it from here on the rest of the session. So thanks. Course, yes.
0: All right. It's grateful to have you here, man.
1: Love it. Right, bye bye. Um, thanks so much. Um, but I love create with voice and I'll check out that domain. I'll speak soon.
0: <laughs> it's not live yet. It will come.
1: <laughs> All right. Let <laughs> um,
0: go ahead. Maybe yeah great um timothy want to uh maybe just end you know a little little teaser maybe from your side on what you're thinking then we can jump into some of the discussion points from Mihal and lauren they've been quiet so
2: far <laughs> no it's just uh, i wouldn't take much time on this but tyler you've already made a great point as to creating the voices is the way that you could express and actually um feel the richness of your own speech and at the end have that tangible out, out uh, output of of, of well, as it, this is it. A lot of a lot of it goes into the ether. We attempt to capture it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the other domain I was looking for was conversations to art. <laughs> was the yes. other one was that, that that idea right is that um you mm-hmm. know there's a lot of these companies and even something that we're working on is using like data to to help people understand conversations or match you know writing or sessions better but uh there's also something about creating you know art to represent that and the power of that and the experience too so um
3: yeah there was a website that was like that uh, i think i shared a month or two ago um i think it was open source too Like i don't think it was I'd trademark you didn't have to pay anything for it but it was more like um uh the tone of your voice like as you're speaking like on the screen it'll paint like some sort of fractal picture and the colors will um yes with, uh, different inflections i suppose so it is there but maybe there's it's not like an actual like uh doesn't like paint like a landscape or anything anything specific which just has you know abstract art I kind of guess
0: I know what I remember you sharing that it was like a research project um, and they did have some I'll see if we can find that and link that was really I shouldn't swear but cool you know and those those are the those you know we've talked about you know Nihal asked me yesterday about you know Tyler what's what are the what are the dreams and goals and then obviously what are the short-term things that help you unlock that but like you know when I look at you know speak and what you know the ideal what the dream was and what the original was to create these meaningful experiences through you know, interactive voice, um, you know, and, and I hope that we can still bring that together. And that's why I love these side projects with Timothy and the fact that we have a team who's all, you know, interested in this stuff while taking care of the day to day business the way that we need to. So, um, Lauren, you are off mute. What you had a topic that you wanted to talk about uh, here um, today. So, do you want to set that up at all? And, and uh, we sure, can chat.
3: Yeah. It's also kind of somewhat uh, similar to what um, the problem that Justin was running into where he has like a long run on sentence so you can't really analyze there. I just want to bring up um, possibilities with like hardware integrations with Speak uh, just because we're looking into like this effective, uh, uh, effective computing market, which I think we are pretty uh, pretty closely aligned to, but like a big section of that is actually like hardware. Um, so we've been playing with hardware quite a bit in the past. We had that, uh, that Muse uh, someone Gave a nice little gift there. I'm not sure if it's still around or not, but um, what I want to ask uh, Justin, and maybe after he sees this video, he can bring it up too, um, is that uh, also with like transcribers, they'll have like their pedal, um, to like say like pause or um, reverse the actual um, the video in order to transcribe and uh, you know uh, keep along with it. I was wondering if there's anything out there available for when he is uh, talking. He's going on his long rants. Um, if you were to hit a button, that's kind of like a uh like a stop sentence or stop paragraph and uh, uh move on to the next one. Maybe that could be um something pretty simple, maybe just like a little like hand button that you yeah, like a, a rope or something that's just like okay, that's that's a thought. Next one. Um so just curious, like also um Tim and Bats will have their uh have their aura rings. But I'm not sure if what they can do with that as far as speak goes. and even the hall brought up uh, some sort of hardware yesterday. He posted something there as well, so just curious what you guys have to think about that.
2: If I may, just on on the aura, actually have to debunk it. Unfortunately, they don't support real time anything. They only work at because of the battery constraints. So the real time actually would only be able to do that with Apple Watch or something. Or alternative, not Apple, us, but yep.
0: And you actually can with the Aura Ring uh, if you enter into a partnership or engagement with them. They have uh, a different type of Aura Ring device that can stream in real time. Athletes are using it, uh, like professional athletes in sports are using it. It's very, very interesting stuff. Um, So, yeah, that's, yeah. Can we get that partnership, please? We're trying. We're working on it. Yeah, we're working on it. Um, But, you know, the Aura Ring is really fascinating. And last uh, session, Vatsil brought up his uh, life.vatsil. Shaw.in, I hope I qu- quoted that right. But basically he's just on a, daily re- a bit of a daily refresh, just pulling in all the data from Oura Ring. And like the one part is the hardware, but really it's just the data output that you can get from that hardware. So now if Vatzel was, for example, writing text notes within Speak or speaking and capturing conversations, and that was done in a, a rigorous enough way, you could align the Oura Ring data with those instances. there's some gaps. I'm sure Tim probably is thinking of some breakdowns there, especially if you don't have the timestamps of when the data is coming in. But there's a lot of work of like the idea that some of these healthcare companies are are trying to do is take like Aura Ring or a similar device like Apple or Google and say, okay, for example, a therapy session started here. And at the same time they started an audio video recording. And now they're trying to align, you know, for example, heartbeats per minute or, uh, you know, I don't know what other metrics you're thinking of there, Tim, and literally aligning that with what they're saying. And then if they can get enough of the, you know, a clean enough data set from enough people, there could be some really interesting, you know, ideally some sort of correlation or connections found between that objective measure of heart beats per minute and what's being said in that, that session. Very interesting stuff, very hard, you know, like not an easy, (laughs) easy thing to do. And these are big complex problems that people are, uh, are trying to solve, but just, you know, between what Tim said there, Aura, uh, Google, Apple, some amazing applications of combining that with, with speak.
3: And um, another problem that came up, we've talked about this multiple times already, but uh, with the whole Muse headband, where it's, um, it's the EEG, like it's uh, tracking all the electrical outputs of your brain while you're, um, you know, meditating or talking or whatnot. Um, we're thinking of integrating that. Uh, with like you know speech attacks, stuff like that. But the problem was that it can't pick up uh, your brainwaves as well um, when you're talking, kind of like mashes up the signal. I'm just curious, um, what if you don't talk at all? What if you're just writing instead? Would that still affect the, uh, the signals in any way?
0: That's a great point. The, the, the person who I, uh, who told me that was Heather Hargraves, who's an incredible neurofeedback specialist and has done a lot of work with the EEGs and basically said, yeah. When you speak, your, your head is, is vibrating too much for the signal to be picked up cleanly, um, which, you know, makes sense. So my, I, I, may, I I'm just wondering if you're writing, are you creating enough vibrations that it's also creating that, you know, creating, you know, dirty data through that signal. Yeah, um,
3: you're, sha- you're shaking your body too much from actually typing. or writing. It's c-
0: c- mostly in an EEG situation, like with the Muse device or with, you know, in a more commercial or um, a- academic one, I believe my understanding is that you're mostly laying down and laying still to get that clean, um, clean signal. I don't know, Tim, I know you're, you have a more, in, you know, not more interest. I'm as interested in that stuff, but maybe a little bit more insight into that. I'm not sure if there's anything you're thinking there.
2: Not exactly to the point, but I'm just thinking of, uh, of, a, of a, in, in parallel here with, um, um, in, in a more, no, not to the point. So I'm not going to derail this.
0: It's okay, Timothy. Um, the only other things that I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, Lauren, from the hardware perspective, or, you know, you said wearables, but then there's hardware. Like what's really interesting, that company that we talked to, they've got most of, like the companies are coming to them already with the hardware and then telling them, you know, what sensors or what data they're able to output. But then a lot of these companies are looking to invest in, contactless experiences to, especially with COVID and, uh, you know, thinking of how can we make things touch free. And even you were talking about Justin with that button, ideally we figure out how to do automatic punctuation. So it is the, the whole experience is hands-free. It'd be odd to be like hitting a button every time you're trying to time, you know, a sentence, <laughs> a sentence, a, a sentence and, uh, yeah, uh, the old it's part.
3: Like
2: of a, I, ta- it's like tapping your head and rubbing your body. It's, it's weird. Like I can't.
0: I, I, I can't do that for sure. That's <laughs> I look like an idiot.
2: <laughs> um, do, do do we have that? Was it was it from? Um, what was the company? I wasn't alive when they built that big button. They sold it in supermarket, and when you hit it, it would say that was easy. You know, staples staples something yeah, like that that was call, easy you know and we need to we need to incorporate with them that so hardware. You're,
0: you're calling us all old is what you're doing right now that that <laughs> that, that, that dated us that hurt that was like that was like not that long ago <laughs> <You> know, like,
2: <laughs> i missed that part but, the, but there uh,
0: is no go ahead
2: well with punctuation part actually there are companies who are her well Sure, it's not the problem to say that Google actually had moved from experimental feature of punctuation to actual release. You can now uh, anyone with an API access on their Google Cloud platform can. Uh, so I've been experimenting with that. And um, we're, we're uh, just to the topic of create with voice still um, when you're. So it's like a a stage process when you're trying to formulate a sentence, articulate it, and it's still compounds until you actually pause and that's a um a non uh it, it's it's not exactly uh, usable in in like i wouldn't imagine justin to pause to wait until it's finished so the the button sounds like a good idea um to actually have that uh hard separation but also in in terms of uh, i'm thinking in in your awareness, like what is most important, you can't you can't interpret um, uh, magnetic, magnetic resonance data, for example. You can't interpret it live unless there is something like a simplification mechanism that actually tells you whether you're aroused or not, or whatever you can actually inference from it. And it's not too much by on its own. You need to have the the correlations built around all the other data points that actually will make sense to you in terms of real-time self-analysis that is in these terms it's not as um, straightforward plus the, the fact that we, we we still need to build so much of the contextual information and, and understanding of the user's brainwaves for example we still have to spend like a, a well I'm not going to say time period because I'm I'm not aware of that, but we need to spend time training on a user's brain first. And that's um, inevitable. And without it, the data is noise. So why did I say that? Okay, let's move on.
0: <laughs> the, the only thing I'll add is like that the, the most rudimentary thing that we, like I told Nihal yesterday too, that also like one of the dreams is that we could actually run that on device locally you know what i mean is basically not have to send that to the cloud just thinking about you know um, privacy thinking about the transfer of data like the dream for myself what i would love to see one day is just like local speech to text that's accurate and trainable that can be done in real time with zero to low latency and uh and then also multimodal analysis being being done so that's the dream we're working on it. It's going to, uh, I will, Michal, you've been so quiet. Let's, let's go, buddy. It's your, your turn here. Let's, uh, let's talk about what you (laughs) want to talk about.
4: Well, I was actually going to ask when it comes to hardware integration, um, for instance, if it involved some level of like speech to text, right. Uh, the, the quality of the microphone and the microphone's ability to pick up, uh what you're saying accurately would definitely that, that, that's like a pretty major blocker right for any uh species text integration or are kind of consumer good goods mics uh, good enough
0: yeah. to do
3: that uh, and just like accurately. where you are when you're mm-hmm. talking
0: to different like, parts you know, of the like, room uh, yeah
3: yeah, yeah. yeah in a crowded place or
0: yeah, like, yeah. some
3: sort of like editing too afterwards that helps
0: quite a bit mm-hmm that's, that's you know, the, even even like my, I'm using, on, I'm on my laptop today. So I'm sending like a degraded signal of sound compared to the normal microphone that I have. And that that has an impact too. And like one of the companies that reached out to us recently also just asked like, what is the best file format to have? So a wave is much better than an MP3 because you've done, you know, lossless, you have a lossless audio format. So there's a lot of things to think of there. I think what see, you know, what some some from uh, most of the research and work has been done shows consistently that like multimodal analysis is the most valuable. So say like the idea there is that you're combi- yeah, combining what's being said and how it's being said, because and, and and between the two of those, you can increase the chance of accuracy, even if, for example, speech to text is de- degraded in quality based on where you are in the room or something. However, I think there's still a lot of gaps there. And what You know, not everyone is sitting in a perfectly idealized, no noise environment with a perfect microphone streaming in perfect quality. So there's a lot of um, challenges there. And I think it also comes down to, yeah, like for some people, this is a beautiful thing. Oh, wow. That's what's joining. For some, for some people, it's like a beautiful thing to think of this like machine that understands you in real time and then can trigger changes for other people. That's a nightmare. (laughs) So also have to consider that. However, I do like, you know, Lauren, I do appreciate that you brought up the uh, um, effective computing part, which is an amazing market that will continue to grow. And it's not going to stop, whether it's a vehicles trying to create, like the vehicles now that are are modifying the environment of, of your car as you're driving based on what you know, not just what you're saying, but even facial recognition. That's what Effectiva is doing a lot of great work on. Um, and You know, like it or not, that technology is going to come and we will all be sitting in our own personalized little bubbles or environments, uh, you know, navigating through the world.
3: But also kind of scary, like who else is going to have access to your car? Like maybe you commit a crime. I'm not saying what kind of crime it is, but maybe (laughs) you get into your car to get away and it's like, oh, you're on the police register now. We just took a picture of your face and we locked your car um so <laughs> to see what could happen there
0: the other one the bigger application and hey battle nice to see you well nice to hey, you're here i can't see you yet or hear you but uh nice that you're here is like the, the big one that they've tried they always start with small applications right is if they can tell that your eyes are closing like basically that you're sleeping and you can get like a beep or alert or a vibration or something like that. So it starts with small, but then things expand very quickly. Uh, and it does come to this idea of yeah, technology sort of surveilling at all time and, and and hopefully helping, but other ramifications, as you just mentioned. That's all. Got a new background. Hello, uh, Looking yes, fresh, buddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got to uh,
5: Just working on a couple of things uh, just
0: late. It's okay. We had Justin on for a bit at the start. He hopped in and hopped out. We've uh, had a, a good discussion so far. I think we're at, uh, what do we, I don't even know. I've lost track. <laughs> I've lost track of what it was, but it was a good conversation. It's Nihal's turn. We're, we're doing, we're doing a nice little circle here about yes. some of the topics that we want to talk about. So Nihal's uh, been quiet most of the time here. So we're giving him a chance to share anything that he wants to. Uh,
4: so I'm at the beach. So that's,
0: that's cool. There, there you go. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: so, um, the, the kind of topic I wanted to discuss was, um, well, I titled it as press versus product and like why making the news doesn't always mean success. Uh, and th- this, this was kind of just inspired by, you know, the fact that we recently had a pretty, uh, big, pretty significant partnership, uh, with MyCure, uh, had our, you know, our website, our company name distributed across like, you know, syndicated, uh, websites. And, uh, you know, we, we don't really see any, uh, significant, uh, uh, results from, from that exposure for instance. Right. And that, that kind of got me thinking about how, you know, just getting into the news and like good PR isn't necessarily a surefire way to success. If, uh, people don't actually convert and don't actually start using what you're offering. Right. And it, it, in our particular case, it could just be that the, you know, it, it was very much an informational touch point. Like it, it, it's, it's not a, Hey, come try speak. Right. It was just like, Hey, we're working on this cool project with this, this upcoming company, right. This, And it, it, it got me thinking, and it's cool that in a way that we haven't fallen to this trap yet, but it's like, I think there's a point in time where many early stage or even larger companies like let fame almost get to their heads and to the point where they'll stop focusing on what got them there. They'll stop focusing on their users needs and their users issues. And in a way it's, it's almost like a blessing in disguise where we haven't necessarily had that problem just yet. Um, but I think that's also empowered us uh, and also for, for, you know, for the engineering team to just focus on what's, most important, right? Instead of trying to please investors or trying to please like a new cycle, like um, whatever it is. Uh, and as like a third point, it also just kind of got me th- talk, thinking about first impressions and how it's, it's usually hard to recover from a bad first impression, whether that's, you know, on the product side, personal, professional, whatever it is. Uh, and so so it's, it's important to not really go too hard on artificially promoting your product when you know your product's not necessarily ready to be promoted to maybe that specific set of users right so right now you know you'll you'll see like otter for instance after that that huge uh of uh, of funding they got right like i I see their paid ads everywhere (laughs) right and and it's it's just like that that's cool and all and it's it's cool that they've figured out you know, you know, they found the product market fit and they're just driving as much cash as they can um, behind getting their product into as many people as possible. But, you know, in a way that's not really where we're at just yet. And making that good first impression is going to be like super important uh, for us, regardless of uh, user touch points as well. Uh, yeah. And I, I guess just your, your thoughts, you know, you guys have been with the company for... Uh, quite a bit longer than I have and what are some things you've maybe noticed um, over time for instance when speak does get some exposure or when uh, you you know get to talk about speak and you know how are you positioning speak when during these conversations and have you ever seen positive trends uh, after certain like uh, rounds of exposure for instance
3: Sure. There's always like a big jump in, uh, user signups at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure how that affected a uh, retention in the past. Um, probably as the product becomes more matured and more, uh, developed out, as you said, when we actually go for those large, um, uh, those large campaigns, those large announcements, uh, over whatever, uh, website, um, it's probably going to be a bit more important. Like, it's great. It's, yeah, it's definitely like an ego boost when you're in the early stages of, oh, we just launched this and it's on this website and we got these many users. But um, maybe the uh, maybe we bring in users, maybe we're like we advertise those users too soon and then they come in and it's like, oh, this isn't really ready yet. And then they leave and kind of forget about it until the next time there's a, a news broadcast or whatever. Um, so yeah, there's probably some more you probably think about it more, probably strategize a bit more about like when to have those um, uh, those press releases. But uh, I think the more press, the better in a way. Um, I don't know. I'm not in advertising or marketing though. I'm an accountant. So that's just my two cents.
0: <laughs> I, I add, you know, a couple um Boost and signups, but doesn't necessarily mean they're the right people. A couple of them have actually been at <clears throat> virtual events um, where, like, we were mentioned, or even like within a chat, uh, you know, uh, the name was mentioned. People come to the site, and because it's a free sign up, willing to do a test doesn't mean they're the right user, doesn't mean they're the right customer, doesn't mean they're ever willing to, you know, pay for the product. But they see that there's a low friction point for them to just see. So, I do think there is a validity about the first impression and also creating, you know, improving the onboarding experience, which is something that we've been talking about and, you know, <clears throat> looking at that usability and trying to increase retention. The other part is, I think, and this is partly my fault, is, um, you know, to-, to talking about the wide range of potential that's possible for technologies like ours. For example, the one that sticks out to me right now is Nest Labs. We did an interview with Nest Labs, and she has a huge, like, product sort of productivity conscious productivity hacker community, about 30,000 people. And when she posted an article on there, I was talking a lot about how you could, you know, you could upload files and then over time you can start to identify patterns and things like that. So people come in from those signups really looking for, and I would say a consumer friendly product that allows them to track behavior or productivity or mood. And then that's not necessarily the product doesn't deliver on that or In my case it did, but that was a lot of configuration and conceptual understanding and hacking our own system together to make that work. So I think there's been, I wouldn't say false expectations set up, but I think just some of the things that we're discussing theoretically and conceptually of what technology can do and then where the product is are different. And it's hard when you have a small team where you're like talking about what you wanna do and then you're you're always six months ahead in your mind than where you are (laughs) um, with what you're doing. I just add one other part is like, from the press release part, oh, hey buddy. Um, from the press release part, I've been following specifically. Uh, I mean, many technology companies, but obviously the psychedelic space and a lot of companies are because, for example, this specific market they're aways from monetization and legalization and even having something, but they're trying to create milestones that they can put press releases out. And there's been jokes about how weak some of these milestones are. So one of the milestones famously was. Uh, um, someone bought a website domain and put a press release about buying a website domain. Right. So it's like, these things are very shallow surface levels. And I think that you've sort of illuminated on the hall. is like behind the scenes, we've created a system that works and can actually create value and it's allowed us to create focus because we're not spending all our time just hitting artificial milestones. And I think that's been a powerful of being a private focus company and it's put us into a good spot. I think, You know, as we move forward, we can look at some of those opportunities, but I know it's not always as good on the outside as those press releases are compared to what happens. So Uh
3: I also want to add the beautiful thing about press releases, especially when you're a startup is they don't cost anything, which is really nice because advertising is very expensive.
0: The press releases that these companies are sending are very expensive, though. They're using scission to post them. And I don't know. I don't know Neil, if you have the exact figures on those, but they're expensive. Uh, and what the biggest outcome that I've seen from them from some talks, but then also some hooking into understanding of marketing websites is like a lot of them don't actually drive any traffic or even visits to the site. The biggest benefit is actually getting domain authority from those sites because it's like a high, a highly trusted site. So. For us, even we've seen a, a little bit of a boost because we were included in those press releases that our site is more trustworthy or spread across the web. And that's the bigger benefit than I would even say the traffic part um, that we're seeing and a lot of companies are most likely seeing.
5: I just want to share uh, our numbers, a uh, few few numbers if, if you allow me to set a screen uh, which might make. Uh, Okay, Tal is trying to share. allow me to share the screen here.
0: You're good. I have no mouse pad or no key. (laughs) No,
5: so my finger was wet. (laughs) (laughs) So, Nihal, these are the numbers uh, I just uh, found from our, uh, how many users we onboard each month. And if you see the outliers, let's say a month, September. Around ninety, around ninety, and like in the October, hundred plus. So I don't know if if you connect the dots and if you look at it back, it's like what happened in October or November. Sorry, in November it's hundred plus, not October. Uh, but like let's say November or like why is this consistent or why this outliers maybe? Uh, and uh, what it comes to my mind, the first thing is. We, we do have this indie hacker interview, or we Tyler had in couple of interviews before in the news uh, that can be the social media trends or tweets that that also triggers uh, uh, the sign up. So how do you connect uh, when the press release or the social media comments or the interviews are different? As like is that is that necessary? to have to have the press releases. That's my question is like, or if you are engaged, let's say we heard a lot about when you, it's like, oh, before launch a product, engage with the group, engage with the Facebook group, or engage with the your own community and see how does that work to the same funder, right? The goal is same. The approaches are different. So how do you see is like, I mean, why do, and it's like, that is, that is an optional or that is a mandatory even for the companies to, need to do the press releases
4: like are, are you asking if there's value in them
5: sort of yes because let's say if the social media or interviews if you mm-hmm. are if you're uh, you know in the interviews and you also see the trends you are creating the authority you are creating that sort of a responsibility in the in the market
0: mm-hmm.
4: i think the number one f- f- thing i learned for instance in pr school was if, if you're going to go out to journalists or if you're going to put out a press release, like you need to make sure that it's actual news, right? Like that it's actually something worth talking about because journalists get bombarded with like a you know, hundred to 200 pitches a day. Uh, half the time people like, like Tyler said, right. Hey, we bought a new domain. Do you want to write about us? Right. Um, so I, I think press releases have a very specific use case to, to kind of A, just disseminate information across uh, a wide variety of websites and channels. Uh, But I think the other approach that you were talking about, like the more community building, community involvement, um, actually providing, being an active member in the, uh, like the spaces you're trying to serve. I I think in the long-term, short and long-term like that, that'll provide many more dividends than something like a press release right because in those situations you're definitely being more of a um once again, you, that way you kind of get to position yourself as a uh, uh thought leader as well within within a space versus i think pr- like press releases are just a lot of times are just ego egotistic little acts
0: right um, yeah, one, one thing i found was really interesting to me was that uh like a lot, you, a lot of times journalists don't even away some of these places. They don't even write, like you're responsible for writing the press release. You just give them a prepackaged asset and they, they just do a check if this is, maybe they do a little rewrite or edit, but it's just like you're prepackaging it for that. They want it to be this easy activity. Um, generally, I think we get bombarded with milestones that are money raised. So how much money you raised and if it's a large point, like Ada, great company in Toronto just raised, I believe, hundred million dollars and became Canada's new unicorn, right? So there's the news, there's the press release, very exciting. Um, And I think it, you know, uh, or patents, you know, but the the thing that I also think it becomes, and I've you know talked to someone who actually was in a company growing quite quickly, who used a lot of press releases and talked about, it creates, I mean, and part of that is the purpose, but a a perspective or um, a thought of the company that doesn't always align with reality. So great, you just raised, for example, $30 million or whatever, but what did you have to give up for that $30 million? What, you know, uh, like raising the money is not the goal. Raising the money is a means to an end to help you get to where you need to go. It's not just so, uh, in a way that our, in our lives has been this, you know, sort of building these shiny spectacles that we can all share. The same thing happens with press releases and milestones, even if it's not necessarily the, uh. You know, the, the accurate uh, perception or what's actually happening. So we want to, you know, I think, you know, we can continue to go through there. I think we talked about the authority. When you read something about someone on a different site than themselves, like instead of going to speak at Co and reading something that we wrote, reading it on some another website creates the sense of trust or credibility or authority. And that is one of the main drivers of why companies are doing that. And I think generally a lot of the companies are public companies or companies moving towards trying to increase the valuation of their companies. So they're also trying to get into the eyes of investors who are following those news and looking for data points for creating value um, within companies too. Good. Okay. Do you, you feel satisfied, Neil? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Cool. I'm also just trying to
4: be mindful of the time.
0: Yeah, I know. You guys yeah. Uh,
4: You're meeting after us.
0: <sighs> we got, uh, so we've got Tim and Vatzel. Um, who are left to speak or who want to share that. So you had
5: a, Oh, go
1: ahead.
2: Thank you for the honors, but I I would say that we've, uh, I've already took enough time with the, um, create with voice, really excited about that stuff. Um, well, I mean, if to actually riff off of the, just this topic of, um, Some of the things that I saw in, in, and I still see, in many companies, and it's not—I'm not talking about speak AI—is um, where most of the progress and resources and funding, investments of any sorts, coming from not necessarily the stakeholders to which he were aimed in the first place. Sort of the definition of the value that the product creates is not exactly defined by everyone. It's defined by a very small group of people. And, um, In this building, the strategy around actually incorporating all of these investments and at the same time aiming at that group of, group of people, the very same one, is so hard to accomplish. This, this alignment is strategy. And in this product strategy is really... Um, Should be ignored at times, because in a startup environment, it's sales led. Otherwise, it's not. It's not. It's not anyhow else. But when it is, so this difficulty becomes the challenge that startups needs to need to. It's the hill that we need to climb up to, and that that is um, an ongoing challenge that we're seeing too. Um, We're seeing that we want to um, serve that group of people. We're seeing that we want to know who those people are in the first place. And we've uh, done a fantastic job so far with our website and positioning it in in the web space. Um, And seeing this discrepancy between Expectations and real people we have on our platform is um, very exciting in its own way. So I wouldn't spend much time here on this, but um, figuring out this alignment and and is was still is um, the most crucial part. Everyone on the team, I'm sure, is looking forward to.
0: Thank you Tim. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, and I think you know it's interesting right? You're optimizing for depending on the path of the company you're 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 going right? If you're if you're bootstrapping and you're only growing off customer sales, you're only focused on customer sales and the revenue that's generating. Otherwise, you will die very quickly. Whereas there's other companies that are taking a venture funded path. And so they're not only optimizing for customer success, they're optimizing for investment success. They're operating for milestones within six to 12 to 18 month periods. And if you have the right people on board, those can align really nicely, but then sometimes you see the opposite, which they're not necessarily that aligned. Um, so yeah, continuing to explore that. And that's always, um, you know, even just a, a quick example, even in Canada, there's lots of grants, there's lots of tax credits, but even, putting someone to take care of that takes away from the capacity of, for example, talking to a customer, talking to a user, um, building a better customer success pipeline. So everything's a trade-off and you're always spending your efforts and time on one audience compared to another. Very fascinating thing and a delicate balance that, I think many companies uh, are trying to, to figure out. So um, that's all, we're coming up towards the end of time here, but we'd love to touch on your, uh, your, your topic here. Um, Leon had a great topic too, but is not here. So we'll leave that for him um, here, but mm-hmm. that's uh, anything that you're, you're thinking on your side for, for today. Uh,
5: <clears throat> the couple of things I, I learned throughout the process and what I see, what I learned, what I read uh, from other companies. What one thing I understand is like the problem is unique. Otherwise, everyone going to work on the same problem. So the problem is unique. And if the questions is unique, the solutions, the approaches, you just cannot replicate or uh, it is not the same answers you can write in, in the different questions. If the questions is about how. Uh, the definitions of the innovations or maybe the definitions of the strategy. Those are the two different questions. You cannot just write the same answer uh, under those questions. So my my uh, point uh, I, I wanted to talk about uh, uh, is, so when example, when you start a company, if you are in the early stage, the scenario is if you don't have enough data about uh, what exactly the user segment is the market is. We are not talking about speaker. I'm talking about in general. Uh, but if you are if you're listening and it's like if you're in the early stage company, the question sometimes stuck is like, should we wait for the more data or uh, and like how do you make the crucial decision throughout the process? Uh, so th- that's a question I want to put on the table and it's like anyone can take on. But the question is like. It is, uh, I I read a thread on on the Twitter uh, that was one from the genius from the California. uh, uh, And he talked about the same, sort of the same uh, sentiment about what are the the things you do when you don't have enough data and you still want to run a company. And uh, uh, because you believe you have that faith uh, about your idea and you see these problems, uh, but sometimes it takes time to get that level, but you know that uh, you can, you have the key to open the door, Uh, but sometimes it just stuck in that position and you can't open the door. Uh, So I know I put a lot of analogy here, uh, but the the point around is, when you don't have enough data about, you can say about the user or maybe the feedback and you still needs to move. You just still needs to do more experiments. You just cannot sit and think about or said about the ideas or analogies like, oh, you know what, let's do this or that. But uh, what I learned through the through study is like, you just need to do the experiment. You need to implement something. You need to learn through the process. Otherwise, there is no way around you can, you can learn. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, I will take a pause, but uh, that's, that's a question. I, uh, <clears throat> I'll revert to
0: a couple of things that I, you know, so ideal. even if you look at starting like the lean mean startup idea, right, is that yes. you, go, you go out and you you interview 20 people in your target customer and they don't tell you to go interview one person because, uh, you know, that's not enough. Um, so there's like I, I go back to even, you know, advertising, like if I was to run a Google ad campaign or a Facebook campaign or something, there'd always be a baseline of impressions or clicks before you would even feel confident in making a decision whether that ad was worth it or, and you should double down on that ad or you should kill that ad basically. And I think that's the same thing that we need to do here. And like we, we talked about a little bit of like, you know, getting testing, doing some work to test some of the messaging on our homepage. But it was like, at first, I think we need to get more people to the homepage <laughs> and then we can start to um, do those tests. And I hope this isn't my... This isn't, you know, maybe the full satisfying answer that you're looking for, but when you don't have enough quantitative data, then you do need to move towards some of the qualitative um, information that you get to. So the example that I'm thinking of is like, say you do only interview one, you know, one person, you could only get one person to respond to you throughout that whole interview, though, there were some moments that you could really sense the pain or how that, how tough that problem was. Like, that's a, a qualitative moment that you can pull out, even with not that much quantitative data. And I would say, like, from a, a system like Hotjar or Log Rocket, where you can see sessions of, of how people are interacting with your website, maybe you only have 10 website visits, but if you go and watch those rec- recordings, you can understand a lot very quickly. Um, right. So So, um, I, I don't know if that progressed this uh, conversation anyway, but just- <laughs> so it's not No, that makes that.
5: sense. For example, what do you give an example about the marketing? And uh, if you see the ads are working or not working, what do you do? You Do you just sit there and see that's gonna work in next week? Or do you make changes in the images or the messaging? Or how do you manage that? So that's a sort of a same fund guys Like you do the experiments that can be in the any fields, even though the scientific research too. It's like they, are, they 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 start with the hypothesis, but uh, they they will go with this different experiment. So
0: yeah, I, I I think you know this this one's probably more abstract. But a lot of people, including myself, I know Tim too. Like you're testing you're testing um, even for example diet. You know what you're eating and how you're eating. And so sometimes you can't say sometimes you can't even say like statistically. You know this, but you can also just ask yourself. You know, does this make me feel better um, too? Like there is some feel. There is that's that's why companies are successful. That's why leaders are successful is that they have an intuition as as well beyond, of course, the the, the data that you collect and 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 the hard work that you understand. You have to know. You have to you have to feel. Um, <laughs> Tim- Timothy says it's fun when you don't trust yourself. And that's I, a thing. <laughs> that's yeah.
5: a huge difference, right? So for what that's create the whole. Uh, different, so I, I do have a couple of prides uh, I, I just want to rip, I just want to say here, and this is one very beautiful. Uh, it says, "If you run a startup or an early stage company, think like a scientist who favor uh, humility over pride and uh, curiosity over conviction." So uh, it's like I'll repeat again: it's like think like a scientist who favor humility over pride and uh, curiosity over conviction. So they are not trying to convince you. And it's like, there's no conviction there, uh, but the curiosity is there. And uh, this is the last one uh, is early stage startups need just two type of hires. Early, Early stage startups just need two type of hire. One is builders and second is sellers. And uh, everything will work out, and after that, you can keep growing your team, putting people in the different segments, and let that brand the seat.
2: Well, you built quite of a library in the back background over there.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that's it. Early stage, early stage company. You're either building, you're you're either building or you're selling, and um, you know it's it's interesting. I think we've. You know we've got a very multidisciplinary team which can have a lot of positives but i think there's also we all do a lot of different things and sometimes that dilutes our efforts and our and our focus you know and i think there's also to date there's still a lot of work that gets done that is that is that then you know, when something comes in that there's a lot of management of that so part of Part of it comes into, I guess, what we've talked about is when an enterprise deal comes in, then there's a lot of success or customer success that goes into it, where you're managing the success of that client or customer, and you're not necessarily then focused on net new lead generation or creating new sales. And I think that's a, a chasm that we're still definitely trying to overcome, which is, you know some in some ways our website will drive signups and leads we're making some modifications to that that we'll probably discuss in a future um, episode but uh, at, the, at the same time there's more of a ongoing outreach that's needed or ongoing selling and sales prospect uh prospecting system that needs to be built we've got some great developers we've got some we've got a great base foundation of course we know that there's things that we need to improve, but um, you know, when you break it down to be that simple, it's pretty obvious, what what the, what you've got to do. Wonderful. Good, good way to end it, Vatsal. Anyone else have anything we've, uh, we've gone for time here. Uh, Anything else before we end? This is office hour 16 guys. So um, this is, uh, we've made it. Uh, we got the fingers right up at the start, Vatsal. We did it right. So that was great. Felt very impressed with the team. Uh, (laughs) Um, Anything else guys? Okay,
3: we're good it's a lot of uh, lots of content in this one
0: okay okay well thank you very much everyone i hope you have a good rest of the day i'll i'm gonna talk to you soon, probably i'm sure but uh thanks for joining in as always and appreciate you all bringing a, a topic that was a wonderful way to do it today okay,
5: okay. thank thanks. you so much